Here we go. It's time for another episode of Meraki Unboxed. My name's Simon Thompson, at Meraki Simon on Twitter. Welcome back. And today, we're going to have a conversation with Tony. Tony's in the room. Hi, Tony. Hi, Simon. Hi, everybody. Hey. Uh, I'm really excited about this one today because we're going to get into some very interesting discussion about some of the stuff that underlies everything that's different about Meraki. We've talked about simplicity on some of the previous episodes. We've talked about some of the products. None of those actually work without this very fundamental thing that sits at the center of it all called the Meraki Cloud. So we're going to get into some of that in a few moments. Just a quick preamble before we get going. Uh, Meraki Unboxed is a podcast we've been running now for a couple of months. We already have several episodes in the bag and some great content if you are interested in learning more about Meraki, not just the products and features, but also the way we do things, what makes us tick here. You can go back and review, of course, those any time at all. And we're really trying to make sure that this evolves in a good, healthy direction, which works for you. So I'm really encouraging you to reach out with feedback. You can do that through the Meraki community, or you can ping me directly on Twitter. Remember, that's at Meraki Simon. And speaking of Twitter, we've got another Twitter user here. Tony, you use it as well, don't you? Yeah, it's true. So I'm uh, Tony underscore Meraki. So at Tony underscore Meraki on Twitter. There he is. Look him up. And uh, well, that's where you get the real wisdom, folks. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll leave that up to you, the audience. Okay, let's get things rolling. So today, as I said, um, Tony's going to talk to us about the cloud and the APIs that we have at Meraki as well. This is a relatively new development for us here at Cisco Meraki. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, but we're really starting to get into it and investing in it a lot more heavily because we really recognize this as the future of this kind of technology where it integrates with other platforms around it. So we want to get into that kind of discussion. Um, But before we get going on the meat of today, let's start off with a quick uh, recap. Tony, tell us a little bit about you and your background at Meraki. Sure, Simon. So first of all, thanks so much for the invite. Um, It's it's an honor to be here on Meraki Unboxed. And hello there to everybody. Um, And just a quick uh, background. uh, Like Simon said, name's Tony Carmichael. I am the API product manager here at Meraki, so I look after Uh, our API services, as well as our developer platform. Um, And I have been at Meraki for some time, so I actually joined back in uh, about February 2011. Um, So it's been a good eight years. Um, And I've uh, gotten the opportunity uh, through various different places within the business um, to to make uh, what I I think is a big impact. Got to work on the marketing side, the sales side, um, as well as the, the product side. Um, so I had a pretty awesome experience here at Meraki so, so far. Yeah, and eight years is a is well, that's that's a pretty good record. And well, uh, in the Bay Area, <laughs> especially in the Bay Area, yeah. I mean, amazing at the moment. There's so much uh, turnover happening, but um, that's that's awesome. And there's, there must be something about this place that you love. For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, more than anything, I I I love uh, being a customer advocate and being able to listen to not just what our customers are looking for in a modern uh, networking and, and IT portfolio. Uh, but being able to actually, uh, you know, af- be an effect of change, right? Being able to actually contribute to that in various forms, um, that has been more motivating than anything and kept me kept me around in Meraki for sure. Sweet. Uh, and so we're going to focus on what you're really working on today. We want to get dive into that in a little bit more detail. But I know Tony has a lot of experience, uh, as he said, through various different aspects of this business uh, and, uh, and also very much on the product side. So a deep understanding of... You know, really, the, the the world of building networks and the kind of challenges that the network engineers out there face. Um, before we get into some of that side of things, let's just uh, let's level set a little bit. So, for those who are maybe 
relatively new to Meraki or relatively new to this concept still of the cloud being at the center of a networking technology business. When you think of cloud, we often think of apps that we're using like Google, Office 365. But now we're talking about it in terms of infrastructure. So maybe, Tony, just tell us a little bit about the architecture that supports everything we do at Meraki and why we think it's the way to go. Yeah, of course. So, you know, we, we're uh, Simon, you're t- touching on the fact that we're really continuing to innovate rapidly um, and, and putting a lot of energy into our, our infrastructure, our cloud, and the architecture behind what makes Meraki simple, elegant, but powerful. Um, but the reality is that we've been doing that for over a decade. Um, what's changed is the market. Um, and you know the the evolution of how most customers, uh, you know, maybe ten years ago, they wouldn't have been as comfortable with the idea mm. of you know cloud connected technologies for their core infrastructure. And of course, in many cases, that has completely 180. Um, more and more now, it feels like it's reached a critical mass or mainstream, so to speak. And across retail, hospitality, and even environments that were historically completely air-gapped from the internet. Um, There's enough of a business driver now. Um, Take a manufacturing floor, um, for example, that, you know, I I think the traditional thought is, hey, that doesn't have any business talking to the internet, but there's enough of a business driver or leadership is wanting to take and learn from how, you know, those systems are working that is kind of a tipping point uh, for mm-hmm. these companies to now start to move and shift their entire infrastructure um, to a cloud-based or hybrid hybrid um, architecture. In terms of Meraki, you know, our products from day one um, have been you know born in the cloud, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. And in its most simple form, uh, this means that our devices are uh, you know zero touch. You plug them in; they connect and communicate securely to our backend um, or our cloud infrastructure, which is really it lives across the world in data centers. Um, Meraki owns and operates this infrastructure through and through. Um, and again, by doing this, we are able to deliver on our core mission of simplicity. Um, so this delights customers because it means that. Um, you can plug in a device um, the same way that some of us out there, as we start to bring connected and IoT type devices into our homes. Take, for example, you know, a Nest camera from Google or an Amazon Echo from from Amazon. Mm-hmm. These devices are very, actually, very similar um, to the way Meraki devices work in that they they check in, they identify themselves, they say, "Here I am." And uh, our cloud, or in you know, in this example, our Meraki's cloud, just says, "Hey." Here's how you should be configured. Here's how you should be set up. And, of course, it's also pulling information and statistics from those devices. Right, and it does updates as well, right? I think yep. my Google Home is, uh, apart from the fact that it's always answering me even when I don't want it to, it's, uh, <laughs> it is it is getting better all the time. Yeah. It, is, it is learning and the software is being updated in the background, so it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and there's, our, there's, there's benefits beyond the obvious there. Um, you know, we can, you know, we want to drill this point of uh, using the example of Google Home or an Amazon Echo too much. But one thing that, as you just said, th- these are learning devices, right? So because of the nature that they're connected and, and they're, they're able to use, a, you know, elastic backend compute and storage and such, um, these devices can learn, they can grow, and they can delight, right? Because all of a sudden, there's a new feature there that wasn't there that you might not, not even have thought to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, at Meraki, 
we often look at you know metadata that exists across our entire infrastructure. Um, simple example, you know, how many you know how many clients are that connected all across the world, and, and what kinds of clients. Um, and this can then really inform uh, the next generation of products that, that we produce. And those could be software features. Those could be new hardware products. This is what – I mean, I think this is a really important part of the discussion because we can get stuck into talking about the cloud as just this clever architectural solution. But what really matters is what the impact of that is for customers. And so for people for people who are choosing this approach, it's not just that it's another way of creating a switch or an access point or any other piece of infrastructure. It's that there are actual tangible additional benefits that you derive as an end customer. And you touched on product development as well as another another angle on that. So I think it's it's really important to be calling those out. Yeah, I mean take take traffic analysis, which is a feature that we've had for many years as an example, right? I mean every day it feels like a new software application showing up, mostly cloud-based solutions now. Um, if you look at Atlassian in the workspace and how quickly they're growing to be one of the more popular software applications for enterprise, um, our products can already self-identify and fingerprint different applications and, and give you a weighted distribution on how much this traffic is being seen on the network versus that traffic. But by virtue of having a cloud-based solution, Meraki can continue to iteratively uh, uh, you know, introduce these new applications mm -hmm. without you having to touch a thing. You right. don't have to add new IPs, no new ports, no protocols. It just shows up. The new fingerprints are there, and this new application type or an uh, you know an existing one that changed its protocol, it just shows up and gets updated dynamically. Right. That's just a very simple example here. Yeah, and it's and it's it's also a testament to the fact that stuff that used to be hard has gotten easier over time. And uh, we've, we've been able to deliver a lot of functionality that really just operationally was much more challenging previously. The thing I think of here, when I think of my own background, I was a, a network engineer way back. I'm not even going to tell the folks on this thing. We were talking <laughs> about right, it before we worry, started. Simon, the, I won't say. Before we pressed the record <laughs> button, I was saying how long ago it is. It's long enough that I had to take every single switch I was going to deploy out of a box physically, put it on a desk, and I had to go and find a console cable. I had to go and download the appropriate firmware and make sure every single switch was set up with the same level of firmware so that they could talk to each other. And that was before I even started installing it in racks and providing service. So that operationally added huge amounts of time and effort. Uh, and anybody who has actually done this, and I'm sure many of you listening will have done it, uh, that console cable is never there. You can never find it when you actually need it or you've lent it to somebody and they forgot to give it back to you. All of that's Been kind there. of, it's, it's all history, right? It's all history. I mean, we, we've come such a long way from, uh, you know, the kind of uh, what you described there. Um, so much so that our customers are, are pushing us to innovate, um, you know, on a daily basis, right? And, and this is just a, it's a very different, it's a paradigm shift because, and this is where we kind of get into the API side of the conversation and opening this platform up um, because, there, there's data at the center of this. There's information at the center of this. And whether it's for network provisioning, orchestration, and automation, or if you're actually trying to start to do, you know, get, gain data insights from your network, the cloud is at the center of what's driving that, right, mm -hmm. uh, within, within businesses for sure. Right. So I think we, we probably have done a pretty good case here of explaining why the cloud has come to dominate 
uh, in this industry? Because of course, it's not just us who are doing this now. I mean, we're we're pioneers in I this mean, space. I look, mean, look at Salesforce. You know, look look at all of the yeah. other SaaS providers. That they have pretty much overnight, right? Uh, this is this is kind of a forklift that we've seen in the market. It, it's a it's a story that that's repeating itself for sure in history. Um, we're seeing another iteration of this with a SaaS platform called ServiceNow, um, which right. is very, very quickly becoming a dominant player in the IT service management methodology. Um, very, very popular, over 50% market share. Um, and it's the same playbook, right? They, yep. they take things that had to run within customer infrastructure that are complicated, that have custom business logic, um, and they just make it easy and powerful mm -hmm. um, and cloud-managed. So we, if, we, if we then take it for granted that... The cloud is now the established way of building a network. And like I said at the, the outset, for Meraki, for you know, a big chunk of the time that we've been in business, that was about taking existing products and effectively just revolutionizing them and, and uh, adapting them to this architecture that we've been talking about. But then that has led us to start thinking about how we can use this data and actually plug into it using APIs Tell us what an API is, Tony. Let's just start with the basics. Here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, at, at the very basic sense, um, API literally stands for Application Programmable Interface. And in the majority of cases, although you know people start describing all kinds of protocols uh, like that as an API, most of the time, uh, and certainly here at Meraki, when we refer to an API or an API service, we're talking about a modern cloud uh, interface that's built and designed for both human-readable mm -hmm. and machine-readable interaction. Um, and it is the building block upon which you can integrate um, into whatever system, platform, or service you want. And this is not like something we're promising for the future. This is here today. We already have, uh, what, so how many APIs? Give us a sense of the kind of scale we're operating at right now. Yeah, so great question. And, and, and uh, you know, before I do, it's a really important distinction that an API, remember the I in API's interface, mm -hmm. um, is is really no different than how we treat our UI uh, or user interface. Mm -hmm. It's just purpose built for different different needs, different use cases, and different criteria. Um, now, in terms of how many, uh, we have three and growing number of API services. Um, the most prominent and, and you know rich one is our our dashboard API, which is really the analog to the dashboard, right? Dashboard.meraki.com, mm -hmm. the user interface, api.meraki.com. That's our uh, application programmable interface. And we have, uh, you know, in the last year, it's almost doubled in terms of the number of endpoints that it offers. Everything from configure 100 access points to give me the status of those 100 access points, just to give you a simple example. So we've taken something which previously required direct hands-on access to the Meraki dashboard, this, the GUI that we're very proud of, right? We worked hard at making it as simple as and intuitive as we possibly can. We've grown out the features within that dashboard over the course of our time in business as customers have given us new ideas and also, you know, frankly, uh, some of the things they really need to be able to, to power their business. So what we're really saying is that we're, we're providing an alternative way to access those features that mean that I don't have to log on myself to a computer and log on to the Meraki dashboard, click around with a mouse to set up things the way I want them to be. Yeah, and, and Simon, that's a perfect way to describe it, right? If you think about yourself and, and what we need as humans, um, and you, you really distill this down to its simplest form, um, it's about data in and data out, mm -hmm. right? So Simon, if you're a network operator, you're either trying to understand, is everything healthy? 
Or do I need to set or make a change to a setting? Data in, data out. What's the most sensible way to do that? Well, it, it used to be command line, um, which the irony here is that APIs in some way and sense um, are, are almost an, a cloud modernized version or flavor, uh, certainly in the eyes of a network uh, administrator or operator, um, to, as CLI, right? But as a human, a user interface is a far more intuitive uh, uh, approach to that because it, it's contextually aware. Um, it can group and aggregate things visually, which you, you can't do in a machine-readable format. Mm -hmm. um, UI is just, it, it's the best, uh, uh, most optimal answer for this. Nobody wants to uh, use an API or command line to do their online banking. Right. Um, and this is where Meraki just really, uh, you know, uh, transformed the networking industry. Um, but over time, as the cloud services, you know, grew and demand for them did and our customer, ba customer base just exploded, um, there was this middle point where it's not just humans interfacing with our platform. Um, it's other systems, um, right. whether that be an automation workflow um, or, a, or another platform, whether that, that be, you know, network performance monitoring platform or an alerting platform. Um, you know, th there is this middle ground where APIs is the sweet spot um, for that. So we let's let's break those apart sure. um, because we're talking about two. I mean, they are related, of course, but they're slightly different things. Which is, uh, how can a human interact with this technology through mm -hmm. API, and how can a machine do mm -hmm. so? Um, do you, you reminded me of something when you were talking there because uh, I think both you and I have been involved at some point in. Uh, doing Meraki training. There's this uh, training program we have here called Certified Meraki Networking Associate. And uh, I think both of us have done a bunch of those. Um, one of the things I remember hearing quite frequently from network engineers who are relatively new, they're lamenting a little bit this loss of their command line interface, their, their beloved command line interface they spent so long and invested so much of their career uh, into. And um, we, we kind of have this like you said, you touched on it, this kind of new iteration of that, this new concept where you can very directly manipulate what the technology is doing for you. Yeah, and, and so that could be through a very simple Bash script or Python script, um, or it could be through a full stack application. Um, and if you take something as simple as uh, change switch ports on 15 switches in an environment, um, you know, that, that's something that you could very elegantly, very effectively do through the user interface, but much faster um, and, and much more of this work smart, not hard uh, through the API. Mm -hmm. what, what's important, though, is this distinction that um, this newer modern approach means that you're, you're communicating with our cloud infrastructure, which is doing the, the actual, uh, you know, taking, taking the commands or the instruction sets and effectively and efficiently distributing those across your entire infrastructure. And that's an important distinction here because you're not uh, interfacing directly with a switch and you're not having to remember right. its IP and its uh, yep. you know, SSH keying and all of that. You're interfacing with the Meraki API service and it's a single service entity, right? API.meraki.com, you present your API token which authorizes uh, and authenticates you and from that point forward, if you have full access from a permission standpoint, you you're you are the puppet master in a sense. Right. You can literally go in and change the SSID across your entire infrastructure. And we yep. see customers doing this. When we look at usage on our backend services, we see customers going in and 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 globally turn off an SSID 
across tens of thousands of access points wow. in some cases, right? So very, with, very with, different with approach. With great power comes great responsibility. That's right. That that's right. Age. Yep. That's where you know good logging and, and good access control comes in. Um, but it's an incredibly high horsepower way of, of being able to access an interface um, with your entire network management stack. This makes, this makes a huge amount of sense for, I'm guessing, like service providers, like large enterprises with distributed organizations. It feels like that's the sweet spot there uh, because they're going to have these bespoke systems that, that leverage it, right? For sure. I mean, if you look at the history here, the service providers and the larger uh, organizations were really driving uh, driving the innovation in the space, not just at Meraki, but, but overall. Um, that said, I can tell you that we are seeing uh, a kind of a fledgling uh, customer persona that's starting to show up that is by no means large, but I would almost classify them as the newer version of, of the Meraki simple customer. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is that they're not thinking about network management and infrastructure management um, the way that perhaps you and I would you know, go into a device, change its config. They are thinking about it in a configuration as code uh, way, meaning the, a full end-to-end -end, uh, CI/CD work stream where wait, wait, know, wait, wait, everything uh, effectively configuration change management and control. Okay. The same way that if you're using Git or GitHub for code changes mm -hmm. and it tracks every change, every line, every configuration um, change that you're making, um, and it, it's almost a layer of abstraction so that. If they're wanting to, in the future, go to a newer model or a newer product or a newer technology, it's slot in, slot out. Um, this is a very, very new approach to network infrastructure management. Um, but again, APIs are right at the centerfold of that. I think that was one of the things that I definitely wanted to ask you because you know I started out there just saying, hey, this makes perfect sense the way you're describing it. I can see the advantages immediately for large service providers, large organizations. Mm -hmm. But clearly, as you said, we've definitely seen uh, this kind of new breed of smaller customer who's, who are using our technology in new and interesting ways. Maybe you could give us a couple of examples of a kind of, it's really like the digital transformation story, right? We're actually helping to use this technology to change something for a business to make their, their operations more streamlined. Yeah. Yeah, so if we take a step back, uh, when we look at how our customers are, are really using the API, um, you know, we talked about the, the tactical piece, which is the data in and the data out. Another way to, to talk through that is, um, is really your day zero and your day one, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about network management, um, first you got to get the gear up, you got to get it configured, deployed, and make sure things are healthy. Um, and then, of course, then for the longevity of that deployment, making sure it's up, it's running, and that everything is, uh, you know, smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at, you know, the common use cases around how our uh, dashboard API is used, um, that's the bulk of it. It's really about, um, at scale, um, being able to go in and do that quickly, easily, and, and really in, in as automated a form as, as you can. So mm -hmm. we see loads of examples where, you know, customers are working with uh, a partner or they're working with other groups within their business, and maybe they don't want to give, you know, full unfeathered access to the user interface, to dashboard. Um, and they only really want, they want to really simplify the work stream. Because if you think about when you first install an access point, it's pretty straightforward, right? It's, it's hang the AP, um, make sure you document the asset or get it added by its serial number, 
um, give it it give it give it its IP address if needed. Um, all steps that are pretty straightforward can be pretty you know pretty fairly you know, fairly automated. Um, and there's very little information that needs to be gathered or collected by the person doing that. Okay. So you can make their lives better um, by making the process easier. Um, and you can also streamline it and make sure that, you know, there's no errors made, remove, you know, the error proneness of, mm. of this as well. The human factor. Yeah, exactly. The, the fat finger, you know, mm. and, and it happens. Um, then, you know, so th- we see a lot of customers are shifting to using the API because once they figured out, okay, these are the 10 steps that I need to take, and we shouldn't really deviate from that to install an access point or deploy a switch. Um, th- these are fairly, you know, cut, uh, you know, sh- you know, specific work streams that customers right. have for this. Um, automating that through API, that, that's becoming table stakes. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, nearly a quarter of our customers that are starting to use the API for, for some work stream like and that. And this is, this is very similar, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but this is very similar to what we used to think of as scripts, right? Yeah, You create sure. a script to, yep. to run through a batch job. Yep. To, to get something done. Yep, and for, for our network engineers, network operators, I mean, Python is the language of choice for that. Um, right. Not just because of its uh, familiarity to, you know, bash scripting, shell scripting, but also because of the, you know, massive ecosystem of open source solutions, packages, SDKs, and, and full-blown solutions that are out there. Um, in fact, there's, to- there's complete, um, you know, full-stack solutions built on Python for the purposes of network deployment. Uh, Xenos is an example that mm-hmm. even our own IT team here uses for uh, network deployment and monitoring, for example. Right. Um, and then the other piece, which is you know your network monitoring and your reporting, um, that's the other very common use case that we see our network engineers, uh, network operators, and IT uh, professionals using um, the API for. Now, it could be as simple as an audit, right? Take, for example, if I'm responsible for managing an infrastructure with over say, a thousand switch ports, um, I'd I, I prefer not to have to take this reactive approach of, hey, this port wasn't configured right. Now I'm getting a ticket in my queue because mm-hmm. someone is plugging in and it's not working. Why not automate the, the auditing of that and make sure that if I have configuration drift, um, I'm one step ahead? So my system is telling me because it has the intelligence, oh. right? Yep. Um, this is like the nirvana for every IT uh, admin, like, this is what the whole like the the IT, was it the IT crowd? Right. The whole show was about that, right? <laughs> like being able to kick it, you know, hang out with your friends while like you know IT runs itself. Right. <laughs> I, well, that's a great image. That's something every yeah. every organization should aspire to, yeah. right? Um, and so APIs are really the uh, that 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 that's your your answer there because you can very efficiently, very effectively be able to answer questions like that in an automated form. Um, that's the tactical, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think you were really challenging me around, okay, what about the data out, right? What about uh, being able to do something with the network stack For or sure. the Meraki managed yes. products yep. that, you know, where I can actually make perhaps business decisions based off of that. Precisely. And this is a very rapidly growing part of the uh, the, the user space around our APIs. Um, and we're actually making a lot of investments here. Um, it, it starts with simple things. For example, if you think about what an access point is, right? If you take the Meraki MR access point, um, it's about serving wireless clients. Uh, it's about providing wireless, secure, reliable wireless connectivity to the internet or to other services mm-hmm. on your network. But the thing with that is, is it's much more than that. Um, it's actually a living, breathing sensor. 
Now, by giving it cloud connectivity, um, we've basically created this perfect uh, loop or cycle where um, while the access point is taking care of the day-to-day stuff, right? You're connecting, it's providing you access and connectivity. It's also actually a probe sensor. Um, and this has been something that we've um, you know, built in as a differentiator from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. If you go into the Meraki dashboard, and for those less familiar, if you sign in to look at your management network, the first place we take you to is what we call our client's view or client's list. That is one very good example of how we're using the Meraki access points or Meraki products as a network probe or a network sensor. Right. Because you can plug that in. And it starts telling you things about your network, intelligent mm-hmm. things like, how it's oh, being used, right? yeah, how it's being used, who's connected, who's not, who was connected for how long, where they were in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but opening up our platform to that data, um, that is at the centerfold of our API strategy because it means that businesses can start to, in real time and over time, analyze um, things like how is our business operating um, how, you know, how does foot traffic look over a period of time? If I'm a stadium, um, you know, how many people are in the venue as we speak? Mm-hmm. Um, by doing nothing other than deploying the Meraki network infrastructure, um, relying on our cloud to collect that information very efficiently yep. and giving you a programmable informa- uh, in, uh, interface to be able to ask questions like that too. And there's different levels as well with this. I, uh, the way I think of this is we definitely have the option of providing a whole bunch of valuable anonymized data that has nothing to do with individual people whatsoever, uh, but is enabling you to to get a sense, for example, of how well laid out a store is. If you've got too many people at one part of the store versus another part of the store, the the, the sort of raw analytics that we're able to get there, they're in, they're a pretty good start on their own. But then you also have this option, thanks to the API. If you do have a relationship with your customer and you have maybe they have an account with you and they use a, an app on their device, perhaps you can hook it up to a CRM. You can actually start to really improve your engagement of that customer. right? Yeah. And that's a fantastic segue into this other piece, which is, you know, around why is why API? Why not build it into dashboard? And there's this there's this fine line where we don't want to overpopulate the the dashboard, which is really purpose-built for the IT and network administrator mm-hmm. um, to make sure the network's up, the network's running. Yep. We don't want to start lobbing in, you know, the marketing view, um, you know, or the customer management view or the customer success That's view. That's a great point. We yeah. want to make it possible to do that easily, quick, quickly, innovatively. Um, but it, but it, at some point, we don't want to like lose the elegance and simplicity of our, our, our network management, IT management product. And we've seen some incredibly cool um, examples where customers are bringing together two data sets, you know, where it's the Meraki network stack plus, uh, you know, point of sale data um, or the Meraki stack and CRM Salesforce, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you're bringing together uh, two data points that t- together tell a very compelling story. Yeah. And that's that's really game changing. I, I think I love the way you put that. It's painted a picture in my mind that you're you really are taking the basics of providing a network, the infrastructure that connects everything together, and you're almost putting that to one side. You're saying, right, we can do that and the network guy can take care of that piece of it. Over here, I've got a an analyst, and the analyst is much more interested in footfall, much more interested in repeat visits, that kind of stuff, really trying to understand the physical environment that this equipment is deployed in. 
And now you've got the power to do both side by side simultaneously. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm not saying that in the future we wouldn't provide, you know, some views of that into dashboard. In fact, we already do, right, with, with products and features right. like location analytics. Yep. Um, but there's this point where, you know, our customers are going to know their customers better than anyone else. Um, and they're going to know what they're looking for, what they're wanting, and making the data that's available and accessible um, in this case, through the Meraki portfolio, open um, and extensible um, is a strategy that uh, not only have we seen, you know, incredible solutions get built around, but it's it's going to be there for the longevity of the platform because it allows for us to also then uh, rapidly innovate here as well. Mm -hmm. We can see, you know, if the majority of our customers are using this specific API and that endpoint, right, provides this information or this data, if, if we find that, you know, 90% of our retailers are doing that, well, that tells us something, right? Yep. It tells us something about the market, and it's a, it's a really empowering data point for us as well. Um, the other thing is we touched a bit about, um, you know, data in general, um, but at the same time, we are, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to be good corporate citizens here, and, and, and we take privacy and user privacy very seriously. Right, right. Um, so we're always treading this line where we want to push to the bleeding edge of what you can do, um, but do so with, you know, GDPR compliance in mind, mm -hmm. user privacy in mind. Um, and we've just made a couple of enhancements even to the, the uh, you know, the, the location API services to make it, um, you know, less daunting for our customers yeah. and have privacy just built into that. It's totally understandable that there's, I mean, we're all hearing stories in the media all the time now about how, uh, technology boundaries are being pushed constantly and uh, you've got all, all this uh, facial recognition technology being discussed. In fact, here in San Francisco recently, that was actually outlawed, the the commercial use of facial recognition oh, yeah, technology. Yeah. Yep. That's a pretty big news story here in uh, this city. And, you know, these kind of questions are going to be challenging public authorities and corporations right around the world for, for well, all of the years ahead that I can think of, really. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're building, when we're designing APIs on the team, you know, we really, really think about that intently um, because we want to enable our customers to get the information from the platform that that, that they feel belongs to them and mm -hmm. that, that, you know, that they own. Yeah. Um, at the same time, we don't want them... Uh, unknowingly stepping on a landmine either. So we're always thinking about that, uh, especially when we talk about this data out piece. Um, and, uh, you know, look look for more to come there as we continue to innovate out the API services. Right. Um, now, just going back to something we were talking about a little bit earlier, I'm, uh, I remember doing a presentation actually not that long ago to a room full of uh, network engineers or network practitioners, Clearly, people who, like me, have been around in this industry for quite a long time, been used to configuring gear in a certain kind of way. And I started talking to them about this concept of coding and using using programming languages like Python, mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned there. And, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, and I'm, and I'm sure we have some people probably listening to the podcast who are like, well, this is not really me. I don't do that. I, I don't know how to code. I'm not a software engineer. I'm a network guy. Uh, you know, how do we, how do we sort of create that bridge how do we how do we entice if you like that that sort of evolution of the network engineer if we are making it so much easier to just get the basics of network provisioning and management taken care of then there's got to be some exciting new challenges to be stretching towards, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that, so first of all, the best developers or programmers are the ones that have mastered command C, right? The, the ones that can go right. in, find code base, find shared code examples, snippets, 
and, and copy that and have it up and running with minimal to no uh, coding at all. And this is, again, uh, touching on this before, but this is why Python is such a pervasive and popular programming language is because uh, almost every single day we see incredibly cool code packages and repositories get shared, um, not just by our own technical uh, groups here within, within Cisco and Meraki, um, but of course by our customers. You know, one example, there was a customer, they were migrating their switching from, I'll, I won't mention the vendor, but Meraki or Cisco competitor over to Meraki, um, and they had hundreds of switches. Um, so they wrote a very elegant piece of code that uh, fetched, went, you know, dialed into the each switch, uh, grabbed its running configuration, nice. parsed it, mapped it to Meraki, pushed the config to Meraki, um, and deployed the switch. It was truly zero touch, right? And it was it was done using several open source packages, um, and and it required, to be honest, like a, a minimal additional innovation on top. So. The point is that, yes, it's scary. Um, you know, three years ago, four years ago, I was not uh, coding in Python. I'm still not proficient. Um, but there's so many resources out there. And uh, a quick shameless plug is that, you know, we've been working closely with DevNet, um, you know, really since since uh, we t at, since the, what's, the onset what's, of... What's DevNet for yeah, those who haven't Sorry, heard so DevNet is, a, is an arm within... Or it's a, a group within Cisco. Um, they really are developer advocate. Um, and they are working not just within Cisco to, to quickly innovate um, on how we create open source uh, code, uh, contribute to the open source ecosystem, and develop uh, good quality, uh, delightful APIs. Mm -hmm. um, but they do a lot to evangelize those and uh, uh, you know within and, and outside of Cisco as well. And they just recently launched um, and, and uh, mentioned a launch of an upcoming series of completely new certification tracks. These are no different oh, than right. the C you know, CCNA yep. um, you know, or CCENT, CCNA, and CCNP uh, or associate and professional tracks. Mm -hmm. But they are a new breed uh, of, of certification tracks that are designed to answer this very question, which is I'm a network engineer. Um, and, and this pressure is growing around being able to you know, do a f you know, really configuration as code. Yeah. Um, that is the entire and sole purpose of these new uh, certification tracks. So, what are those called? Remind me the names again. Um, so, ooh, you're you're testing the <laughs> stretching. Uh, you know, these these are all DevNet developer certification tracks. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I don't remember, but I I, I can tell you that um, you know, if you go to Cisco.com/slash/next-level, um, mm -hmm. um, which is their short URL for this, you can learn all about these new certification tracks. Nice. Um, and they are very much the answer to that question, which is. I'm quickly being, um, you know, my IT organization is quickly moving from an on-prem CLI to a cloud um, uh, model, mm -hmm. and this is this could include Meraki, but it very well could include other components as well. Yep. AWS, you know, cloud compute. That's the whole point, right? You you just pick what you need. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, more IT organizations are having to learn Kubernetes for uh, cloud, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, image distribution. And so, again, it's not just the Meraki piece, but of course, Meraki APIs are at the centerfold of all of this. Um, and Python around with other object-oriented programming, um, these tracks are really purpose-built to get you to that level and get you more comfortable with it. With it. I, I, uh, this was huge news at Cisco Live recently in San Diego. And um, yeah, if you do a search, you'll quickly find that. And so that URL Tony mentioned there is probably a very good place to start, cisco.com forward slash next level. Yep. Right. And uh, so I, I was going to ask, I mean, that that's one of the questions I definitely had 
to ask today uh, of you, Tony, is you know how hard is this stuff to learn? I, I, I when you say code to me, when you say development, it it doesn't sound like something that that's in any way familiar to me. So you know, if I wanted to get started, where would I start? Where, where what is the day zero look like? So it's a great question. I mean, and and we are. Uh, deeply committed to uh, to lowering the barrier of entry here at Meraki. This is right. a center part of what um, what our team on the API side is, is all about. Um, so we have architects on the team that put a lot of energy not just into making the APIs themselves easier um, to approach, easier to use, uh, and improving the developer experience, but also um, putting out uh, examples, demos, uh, full-blown open-source solutions that you can very easily take a look at, unpack, and start to familiarize yourself with how they're structured. Um, and we've seen those, you know, take, um, you know, even within Meraki, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, technical sellers and other technologists that, like like you, like myself, you know, we weren't we weren't programmers by by right. trade, yep. um, but uh, go from zero to a hundred. You know, I've seen. I've, within within sometimes months, you know, within less than a year, they're they're writing fully proficient scripts um, that are doing really sophisticated things. Um, we've also seen you know new uh, you know n- new hires coming in, and they're they're almost being groomed for this within university now, right? right. So this is again not this is not just in networking. This is happening really industry uh, industry market wide, mm-hmm. um, but universities are doing a lot more. Um, nowadays to help groom and enable students so that this is not just like, you know, you're getting hit in the hit in the face with uh, with it. So we've seen students come in and pretty quickly pick up and start um, building and developing. uh, You you definitely I mean, that's that's great. And and that's an important development. And it's it should be a uh, an indication for everybody. I think that that uh, if that's happening, if the if the new sort of entrants into this market are going to come in enabled and speaking this kind of language already, that's great. I think for those of us who are have been around for a while, I, I, you, you did remind me that when I have done bits of coding, it's mostly been with website development stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of learning can be actually done by just reverse engineering yep. what you can find out there, right? Yep. So you mentioned those code examples that exist already. Presumably, you can go in and see what they're doing, but you can also unpick them and, and maybe repurpose them, tweak them, do whatever you like to sort of just build that muscle a little bit. Yeah, and I, I would say, you know, the the different people learn different ways, right? But if you're looking purely to discover and explore the art of the possible, what are others doing with the APIs? And what are some examples of, uh, of code that have been, has been written? Um, Meraki has a full-blown developer hub um, that, that our team updates frequently. Um, the quick short URL for that is meraki.io. Um, and it's rich with resources, but it's a great place to start if you're just trying to take, you know, get, dip your toe in the water. Um, but for those that are a little bit more, you know, uh, book learners, um, you know, there's tons of online courses that Coursera offers mm-hmm. and, and other um, uh, online learning uh, solutions offer, many of which are free. Um, that's kind of how I cut my teeth is going through a few of those um, courses, um, which are all incredibly good and give you a great segue into how to start to, um, you know, do network management, network operation and application development with with modern APIs. And it doesn't have to be with the Meraki APIs um, to grasp the the subject. Right. So the, uh, so going back to um, examples, yeah. real world examples, what do you think is the absolute coolest API application that you've seen up to date? And uh, could you teach me how to do it myself? I mean, <laughs> is, do you think you could teach an old dog new tricks? Oh, for sure. Um <laughs> 
I uh, so there's there's a couple that come to mind. I mean, we've seen so the 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 configuration parser that I touched on. Um, you know, sometimes the you know it doesn't have to be a super elegant solution uh, to to be incredibly innovative. I would say mm-hmm. if it's saving you hundreds of hours of energy, um, to me that is a job well done. Right. Um, so that's one. And in fact, we've seen uh, one service provider take that to another level where beyond the you know configuration, parsing, mapping, and uh, writing uh, into the Meraki cloud for the new uh, switches, um, they've gone in and they actually went in and used a, an open source 3D rendering utility um, to create a printout um, that they would provide the installer with an overlay that said, hey, you know, it would basically indicate visually to the installer, like, the, you know, ports 1 through 10 have these things plugged into them. Make sure you plug those things into the new switch. Um, so, you know, doing that all autonomously um, in code um, and having it generate these 3D models that, that were wow. highly useful for the installer, I mean, that is, you know, fantastic. I, it was just such a cool solution that we saw come out of the APIs. Now I'm lamenting the fact that this is an audio format I here know. in this podcast. Like, <laughs> I want to show people. I mean, do we have any videos of this? Or we have some examples some? of this on the developer hub at meraki.io. Okay. Yeah. And then another that really t- is more of the solution using the data that you can get out of the platform is a recent solution that was produced by a, an, uh, a public library um, where they were using the Meraki cameras, which are open and have APIs behind them um, as part of the Meraki Sense feature. Um, and again, it turns the cameras into, you know, beyond a modern surveillance product, um, it, it makes them real-time data sensors, in this case, an optical sensor that you can use to tell you in a very rich form um, you know, how many people are in the frame and, oh. and have that in a time series, so over time. And we saw a, an, a public library make the case that they need to make more technology investments by building, um, using the Splunk stack, um, a, a really, really slick looking front end that, you know, it's like a, basically like a dashboard of sorts that mm-hmm. gives you um, uh, information and insight uh, and allows for them to see over the hour, on the hour, per library, um, how many folks are visiting, how many are repeat visitors, how long did they spend in which parts of the library. Incredibly cool stuff that they were able to do um, entirely built on those open APIs. That's awesome. And that's also testament to what you were saying earlier, that, that anybody can take advantage of this. It's not just people with like huge bucks and big software engineering de- departments that can get involved here. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's it's a place where uh, by having the Meraki technology, by having the fact that we're, we're continuing to I- innovate, um, and add more of these APIs um, to an already, you know, pretty broad portfolio of API services. We're unlocking these capabilities. And the thing is, a lot of our customers, they're not thinking about doing that when they when they invest in the products, right? Mm-hmm. But the feeling and sentiment that it's an open platform and you can get information into it and information out of it um, gives you that kind of, uh, that, that, you know, tr- really trust that in the future when you're, somebody comes and taps your shoulder and says, I want an answer to this question now. Um, you, you you can you know blow their minds. Actually, wow. um, <laughs> we've seen it uh, many times now. Right. So much. Uh, it's 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 imagination. That's what I think is exciting about this. Is it's a bit like when the internet came along. You suddenly have this access to the literally the world's information, and you can do so much with that. Uh, imagination is is all you need to be able to take you from from step A to step B. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
Okay, Tony, we, we are going to try something. Uh, I haven't done this on the podcast Uh-oh. yet. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to throw you a few curveballs here. Yeah. And um, so what, what I did yesterday, actually, I, I sent out on um, Twitter, I, I asked if anybody had any any topics they were interested in us covering uh, on this podcast, oh, on cool. this, uh, this topic we're looking at today. Well, you say that. I haven't asked you the questions yet. <laughs> you don't know what's coming. I don't think they're too bad. Um, but but uh, let me just throw these at you and see yeah. see how we do. Um, Chad asked a question about MQTT. I have no idea what that is. But he asked about that and and our integration of that and, and uh, doing so with cloud-hosted brokers. Can you talk to that at all? Yeah, of course. So uh, first of all, Chad, uh, hi there, and thanks for the question. Um, MQTT, um, which is a service that we offer on the camera. Um, so it's actually, it's a great segue into what we uh, just touched on in what the library was able to do. Um, it's a lightweight protocol designed, um, and it's gaining, va- rapidly gaining popularity um, for uh, inter or intra device communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it's particularly useful for IoT devices um, because you're using the IP network, whereas formerly, if let's say you take go to back to a manufacturing floor, um, you, let's say you have a conveyor belt and a button, um, it, it used to be traditionally that you would hardwire those up. It would be right. analog. You yep. push the button, it breaks the circuit, the conveyor belt stops. But um, MQTT is sort of the modern um, IP-based solution to being able to not just uh, stovepipe the button and the conveyor belt together, but be able to add more conveyor belts and more buttons and have them all okay. mesh communicate with one another. Nice. Um, really, really cool protocol, gaining uh, very rapidly gaining popularity in both the consumer IoT as well as enterprise IoT play, uh, space. Um, Kinetic at Cisco uses this, and as does Meraki for the cameras. Now, to answer the question, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, the question is, do we have any um, any ideas around a cloud uh, variant? So the MQTT protocol, and the reason why we put implemented it is so that we could allow for uh, an application on the same network that the cameras are on to be able to subscribe to very high rate uh, messaging. So it's a messaging bus model where the camera has information that it wants to tell an application, mm-hmm. and that application can subscribe uh, to what's called an MQTT topic. Um, we actually have a few cloud-hosted uh, uh, providers for this. It requires a little bit of integration, but one is Hive. Um, that is one that we found to be uh, fairly popular. It also turns out that both Azure and AWS offer cloud uh, MQTT um, brokers. Mm-hmm. So, um, Chad, I'd, I'd recommend looking into that. Um, I'd also encourage you to check out the Meraki community because there's a few folks that are discussing this. And if you have uh, you know, follow-up questions, we'd, we'd love to see those. We always uh, look for questions like that on the community. Community.meraki.com. You got it. I'd love to get those plugs in when I can. Um, okay, next one. Nick, uh, Nick asked this question about whether – really trying to get a sense, I think, of how much – of what we can do in the Meraki dashboard that that you know our customers love and have been using for many years now, how much of it have we implemented via API? Uh, you know, and when we're going forward from here now, what what is the approach that we're taking as we add new capabilities uh, so that they are replicated as yeah. far as we can between the dashboard and the API access? Yeah. So I'll answer this in two parts. The first is configuration. Um, so all the tick boxes, check boxes, drop downs, and text and uh, numerical inputs across dashboard. Um, you know, we have a fairly uh, comprehensive coverage. We're nowhere. We're, we're not at parity. Um, but what we've done here is very, very quickly um, added API coverage. 
especially um, with the intent of making sure that anything that a customer typically changes from defaults. And I'll give you an example. The, the name of the first SSID on the Meraki access point, pretty much everyone changes because mm-hmm. you don't want to be broadcasting the default, which I believe is just Meraki. Um, so making sure that we have adequate and pretty comprehensive coverage on the scaled configuration components that exist all across the, the Meraki products um, is absolutely there. Now, we're continuing to add coverage, and uh, going forward, um, one of the, so to speak, stem the tide answers to make sure that we always have a parity between a UI component, a new feature, a new you know, modal or checkbox, is to make sure that we are building them API first. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a Meraki concept, um, it, it's it's a fairly modern way of building uh, front end applications where you uh, rather than you know again build a custom uh, communication plane between the front end component um, and the back end service that's actually taking the changes and processing them, you build an API. Interesting. Um, you might release it privately, um, but it should always you know the the rule of thumb is you should always re- build it so that it can eventually be released to public, right? To customers and okay. users. And there's two benefits to this. One, it's a two bird, one stone. Um, the other, if you think really um, deeply about um, the front end that in this case, Meraki is trying to build, you're also thinking about the front ends that our customers may want to build nice. with the same endpoints, That's a right? Great point. Yep. So it really, it's a forcing function for us to think, uh, you know, really intently about how we design the endpoints um, and we're very quickly moving to that model of API-first design for our uh, for dashboard.meraki.com. I love that concept. And and that, that really is, well, you, you, you nailed it really with two birds, one stone, right? If yeah. we're thinking about this stuff and we're actually trying to prioritize it for ourselves within this building, obviously that's going to be immediately beneficial to our customers as we open them up to, to their use. Absolutely. Now, um, Nick also had another one. He's like, he's got, he's got two questions in, but they're, they're good questions. Uh, and this one, I think, touches on this concept of APIs being providing essentially an abstraction layer from the sort of the, 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 the very base level of configuration, enabling you to, um, to, to maybe configure things using different types of uh, commands. So in this particular case, I think Nick's curious about a prepackaged interface that looks like a Cisco CLI, which of course many of our listeners, I'm sure, will have some familiarity with. It's been with us for for an extremely long time. Uh, I mean, that's uh, it's an interesting concept. How would you how would yeah, you tackle that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it depends on well, you know we all we all have a feeling in our gut when we when we think of or picture or say you know like Cisco CLI. When I think of that, I'm thinking of a terminal window with a blinking cursor that I have a very powerful set of commands um, that I can use as input. Um, and, and you know I can very quickly um, make configuration changes on a device. Um, I, I think like in a way, we already have this. Uh, and again, the, you know it's Python, and you could certainly write a wrapper, um, and it very well could be that someone out there um, uh, has already done this that uh, emulates um, Cisco command line, right. right? So that, and and what I mean by that is, you know, if you write uh, show CDP, um, which we provide the ability through our APIs to, right, exactly. to retrieve that information, yep. um, but the, the, pa- the Python package in this case or whatever application uh, or language you write this in uh, would emulate uh, and, and interpret the commands that match Cisco CLI 
um, and return the data in the structure that you expected. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly here, you know, at Meraki, this isn't necessarily on the, the top of the list of things that we would build, um, but it's it's up for any developer, uh, and it would it would be, I wouldn't say trivial, but uh, pretty straightforward to, to build something like that. I can imagine out there somewhere, there's somebody who's, who's thinking about this as their life's work to, to, to take that entire familiar thing and, and make it, really almost future proof in that way. Yeah, and I think so if you look at the if 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 we take this question and interpret it with a bit more of a forward looking angle, mm-hmm. um, what we're really seeing is a few consortiums, one of which is open config, which is an initiative that um, is sort of uh, looking to do um, what I'm going to interpret this question to 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 be part of, which is to add a, an abstraction layer, right. right? And I think Simon you touched on this, but the idea of having a layer of abstraction where the northbound, um, you know, is is in a it's in a standard that you can you know go in and bring in whatever products, whether it's a Meraki access point or a switch, and it's the same language. Mm-hmm. But underneath, or the southbound, um, you know, northbound, southbound, and you're talking the Meraki REST APIs. All of this is technically possible today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we are looking at, um, you know, those technologies and, and having dialogue with uh, with folks around this today. Hmm. That's, I mean, the, the possibilities are pretty much limitless. That sounds like a cliche, but it's almost true in this case. So uh, if there's an API, you can do it. Yeah. You can build it. That's uh, that's really part of the strategy here. So sweet. Um, last one I've got here is an organization called Comms Cloud. They're asking they're kind of interested. I think the way that I interpret this question is around integration with other services. So whatever they happen to be, building something bigger than you have by default. So you've got maybe uh, your basic infrastructure built on Meraki technology, but perhaps you're using a third party for uh, policy or for, uh, for for authentication into the network. I mean, we've been doing this kind of thing directly in the dashboard for a number of years now. So this is not new as a concept, but presumably APIs help us go even further there to, to integrate with um, any any third party we can think of as long as they they have their own abstraction layer. Yeah, so this gets into what we sort of started with, which is where you know API becomes this like umbrella descriptor for any protocol that enables right. an integration. Um, and certainly there are API or cloud API, REST API uh, examples of third party integrations. In fact, there's many, and you can check those out on uh, meraki.com forward slash marketplace. Um, which is where we list out all of the technology vendor integrations to platform integrations that we have to offer. But when we start talking about um, integrations that rely on protocols like Syslog, uh, or I think um, there was a comment here around Active Directory, which uses LDAP as a protocol. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are uh, services and protocols that Meraki's uh, networking stack has supported for years. Yep. Um, and and beyond that, and you, you said this, Simon, but a lot of these are built in and are natively supported and integrated today. Uh, another good example is OAuth, right, uh, mm, for yes. uh, user um, user management and IDAP. I mean, these are these are all protocols. I would I would say they're they're tangential to API, mm-hmm. um, but they they're their own protocols in their own right. And and if we speak the protocol, many of these we do. Um, you know, we, we are likely or bound to have uh, not only integrations, but many of them will be native um, as well. Mm. Wow. Uh, we have covered so much ground yeah, here. Yeah, it's I, been fun. Time has flown by. We um, really unboxed it. Uh-huh. We have. Whoa. <laughs> it's, it's genius. It's almost like we thought about this. Um, you know what's really interesting to me about this conversation? You know, 
15 minutes into this, I already realized that this is probably too much for one it's a lot of content. podcast episode. We could take this and, and break it down. And, and uh, you know, we may well do that. I mean, depending on the kind of feedback we get from this, then we may well be back and, um, and perhaps we unpack this in a little bit more depth. We sure. maybe even walk through an example in, uh, in, in sort of step-by-step mode. I think the main thing I really wanted to, to achieve today or for, for, on the behalf of our audience is getting a sense of what we're doing in this space. I think we've done that pretty well and actually very well, very thorough. Um, so let's get into some takeaways. I am very aware that many people who are listening to these podcasts, they do so when they're commuting in their car or maybe they're out running somewhere if they're healthy types. Whatever it is, they may not have a piece of paper and a pen in front of them, but you know, let's let's maybe give them a few uh, sort of get started places. We yeah. talked about cisco.com forward slash next level. I yep. think that one was really interesting for getting into the certification side and really getting onto this whole track from a professional career perspective. What have we got on the Meraki side that, that uh, gives you a kind of good starting point? Yeah, for sure. So we've got Meraki.io. This is the full-fledged Meraki developer hub, um, but this is purpose-built for uh, various personas, one of which is um, network engineers and network operators. Um, in fact, a lot of the content will be geared and aimed towards um, towards you um, uh, if, if you if you consider yourselves a network administrator, network professional. Um, there's also, and that's Meraki.io. Um, and on that developer hub, you'll also find loads of examples, full-blown code, um, links to Git, uh, GitHub repositories, um, and uh, also a link to the marketplace. If you're perhaps thinking to yourself, well, I'm not looking to go and, and take on a science project and have to deal with uh, mm. full-blown you know, code. Um, I'd like to have something more off the shelf, which is what our marketplace is all right, about. Right, we've got both sides. Yeah, so that's Meraki.io. Nice. And then the community. I mean, this is uh, one of the more popular areas for discussion, um, which is our API and solutions um, uh, forum or mm-hmm. subforum. Um, Love to have dialogue there. You know, uh, my team is is on there uh, very frequently, and we love hearing from uh, from the audience. So um, cool. we'll look for you there for sure. Awesome. Tony, this has been amazing. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this, actually. It's been, I mean, it's fascinating to me. I, I, I don't have enough hours in the day to get into doing this, a lot of this stuff myself, but I can definitely uh, understand these concepts and I can see how they can really help somebody who's looking to develop a career and take their career to the next level in this space. Uh, to, to move it forward. So we're, we're going to wrap things up now. Um, Tony, thank you so much for taking time out to, to join us and our audience today. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Meraki Unboxed. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking to some folks from our own internal IT organization. Uh, they call it the Digital Workplace. And we're going to basically talk to them about how they are using Meraki's technology, because of course they use that. Uh, how they're using it in practice. So some of the stuff that Tony touched on today, we'll be able to unpack that in a little bit more uh, detail with the folks who are on the front line delivering the service and keeping our own network uh, operational at all times. So uh, just wrap things up now. This is Meraki Unboxed. We do this every couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, you've, you obviously we covered some of the questions that have been fed back in here. If you've got anything you'd like to share uh, I would love to hear from you directly, and you can find me very quickly on Twitter at Meraki Simon. Uh, but we'd also encourage you, as Tony said, uh, to get involved on the community side. There's a lot of great conversation there, and of course, it's very good for peer conversation as well to understand what some other folks are going through, maybe similar to yourself. We're going to wrap things now. Have a great time uh, over the next couple of weeks, 
and we'll be back very soon. Bye for now.